You're listening to The Cleveland Browniacs, a show where two moderately intelligent guys attempt to make sense of the Cleveland Browns. The Cleveland Browniacs podcast is a part of the Fanatical Elves podcast network, a part of the Fans First Sports Network. Here are your hosts, Elliot Kennel and Joel Cade. All right, guys, so if you're paying attention, you will have noticed that that is a new name. We have rebranded ourselves from Football Philosophy and Rocket Science to the Cleveland Browniacs. Why change our name? Well, it has to do with SEO and people searching for us, and then I like Cleveland Browniacs better, and I think Elliot, who suggested the name, likes Cleveland Browniacs better. So we figured we'd go at it this way and make it easier for you guys to find us and then you know exactly what you're talking about. Cleveland Browniacs, you know, Brainiacs, Browniacs. Mm-hmm. There you go. We you still go. got the philosophy and the rocket science thing going on. So that's our new name. Same great people, same great stuff. Mm-hmm. Elliot still has his rants. I still have my hatred for kickers. And, uh, you know, mm-hmm. that new show. So, Elliot, do we well, have any mail? Yeah, you know, we do have some mail. Um, I was engaged in social media. Speaking of kickers, and, um, you know, I'm a little bit ticked off at the irrational exuberance of the preseason. I think, okay, first of all, I'm the first person to say that anybody with form number is a threat and could be the MVP of the National League, could be the next star, and, uh, you know, the kicker. Cade York could be all pro this year. He's got a chance. Let's not dump on the kicker and, uh, you know, stop him before he has a chance. But I think that there should be some realism in uh, what we say about him and what our expectations are. Um, So I came across this post in social media. Let me just read it to you. I don't think people realize the kind of weapon that this could, this kid could be if he gets it together. He has as good of a leg as Tucker when it comes to strength. Obviously, they can't be losing games because of him, but it's not kind time to cut him yet. And yes, they should wait until he actually loses a regular season gamer's belly shot. He's just that special. All right. So what set me off was the comparison to Tucker. And um, so... All right, so I wrote the following, and maybe I shouldn't have, but I did. The next time someone compares Cade York to Justin Tucker, I'm going to throw up. Do you guys realize just how good Justin Tucker is? That's like comparing every Guardians outfielder to Babe Ruth. Let's get real, shall we? Okay, so I ruffled some feathers, and the reply to me was as following. Your reading comprehension is not great, or you just have no clue how strong York's leg is. Okay. And so I granted the fan the following. I'm sure you are a better reader than I, but Justin Tucker may be headed to the Hall of Fame, having kicked 363 field goals with a 90.5 success rate. Cade York has kicked 24 field goals, and his success rate is 75.0%. If you study the numbers closely, you will see that York has not yet reached Tucker's level of success. Tucker is a five-time All-Pro, six-time Pro Bowler. Mr. York has been to zero Pro Bowls and is not an All-Pro. I think he has a way to go before he's compared to Tucker. 
I will work on my reading school's skills, however, and I thank you for that suggestion. All right. I think this is just nuts. We do not have a premier kicker yet. Let's give him a chance. We're not saying we're going to cut him before the season in the middle of summer camp just because he missed a kick. But come on, we're, we're not, we don't have the league's best kicker in camp yet. Maybe next year, but we don't have him yet. He isn't making the Pro Bowl yet. He's not making the Hall of Fame yet. Let's cut the kid a break. Let's see if he can make the team first. And then we'll talk about whether he's going to be the best kicker of all time or something like that. Joel, you're on. Well, you know, given that there's nobody else in camp, he's making the team. You know, I, I'm the, I'm the of the opinion that, like, every time the Browns get the ball, they ought to calculate where exactly they want the ball to be so that Cade York can trot out there and kick a field goal. Like, this is the preseason. If there's going to be any chance to get this kid's head right, this is where you do it. And by the way, do you know what got into his head? What? So I've been, like, scouring Cade York stuff. The fans got into his damn head, and so did Bill Dawson get into his damn head, and the reporters in Cleveland constantly asking him, you know what you're going to do when you're kicking the Browns in Cleveland weather? Are you worried about Cleveland weather? Are you worried about the wind at Cleveland Brown Stadium? Are you worried about the snowfall? Are you worried about this? Then he comes out in spring and says, you know, I got so worried about the, the weather that I just basically forgot how to kick. Like, the dude is in his head over the weather, and mm -hmm. we created that problem for him. Like, that wasn't a problem for him. You can get his college film. He kicks through fog and all kinds of crap. Not a big deal. But you get him to clean, and you start getting in his head about the weather, and, and there he goes. What do you yeah, think, you know, I'll say this, though, is that the nature of that profession is uh, impossible uh, pressure. And you just have to have a special kind of person that can deal with that kind of pressure. And uh, so I don't think it, uh, it I think it would be a good thing to bring in a, a competitor every summer. Bring in some guy to compete with a guy and have him kick in summer camp you know kickers are one of those positions in the nfl that you get better with age the younger you are as a kicker you're more, mm -hmm. more erratic and you get to about 26 27 28 and you actually settle in and become a pretty decent kicker if you look at kickers like careers almost all of them start off very rough yeah. early on get cut by two or three teams finally about a certain age they figure it out you know Cade york is in that figure it out mode so the Browns are just going to have to have some patience, and I think they are having the patience. But to think that he's going to be a Pro Bowl kicker, you know, I just want to see him make a kick, you know. Yeah, <laughs> That's where I'm at. Kick. Let's just make a kick first. You know, I notoriously hate kickers because I think you have one damn job, and that's to kick it through the upright. And I really was high on Cade York because he took the number three because he understood his job was to just kick the ball through the upright. Something happened to that kid, man. He doesn't talk oh, like sure. that anymore. I mean, right. No, like, absolutely. The pressure, it's all about handling pressure. And you need to have somebody that somehow can become immune to that pressure. And, uh, you know, it's like I've used this example before, but in the military, uh, there's a certain mindset where you have guys that uh, do not get upset no matter what you do to them. 
and uh, like the Green Berets and, and Special Forces guys, they do stuff like drop tarantulas on them and uh, their heartbeat doesn't change. You know, this is documented. Now, most people, if you did that to me, I'd freak out. Um, but there are some people that simply say, oh, there's a tarantula on my shoulder. They handle the problem. Their pulse rate does not change. They just mm -hmm. handle the pressure. And you have to get your mind trained so that you can be like that special forces dude. Just do what's necessary and not change your mental state. And yeah. I don't know if he's that kind of guy or whether he's somebody like me that's going to just panic under pressure. Um, sure, panicker under pressure. Yeah, no, I'm. I'm, I'm not <laughs> saying. I'm not saying that I'm a special forces dude just because I was in the military. Um, not everybody is as good as a green beret or special forces guy. I'm not. Mm -hmm. Well, I, th I think I think there's something to him being a little young and maybe getting some perspective as he gets a little older. I think the kickers that succeed are the ones who can figure out. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. you know, I made the kick. I didn't make the kick. I made the kick. I didn't make the kick. You know, you, mm -hmm. you got to keep it even keel. You know, if you're out there thinking I lost the football game, then you're going to be a mess. Yes. You've yeah. got to just be like, okay, my job is to kick field goals. I'm going to kick field goals, which it seems like that's the attitude he had coming out of LSU. Like, okay, my job's here to kick field goals. I'm going to make some, I'm going to not make some, and it's all going to be okay. But then somewhere along the line, people start talking about the weather and he's overcompensating for this or that. I mean, all this kick sale, right? I mean, he talked about mm -hmm. how last year he always aimed for the left post because then it would go to the middle when it comes to, you know, the the wind. Then you see him in the middle of the season aiming in the middle and everything floats right. It's like he's doing the same thing. He's kicking them all. He's pushing them all to the right. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Makes this guy worse. Is that he's got a first name, which is my last name. And, you know, that always irritates me when you got some jerk off named Cade out there screwing things up. Like Cade McNown. Ugh. Man, nobody had ever heard the name Cade until Cade McNown came around. And then I was living in Chicago at the time. And that dude, I think, ended up in Chicago. And everybody's like, oh, you know, Cade McNown. No, it's because my last name's his first name. I mean, I know the dude. What the hell, yeah. people? Well, you know, just yeah, come I, out here I, and make my name mean something as opposed to something somebody wants to piss on. It seems cruel, but I do think that you need to subject kickers to immense amount of pressure and just see if you can teach them to handle it somehow. So I want to bring in a kicker every year to compete against the incumbent. Well, I want the Browns literally the preseason just to like, okay, we're going to go to the 20-yard line, and then we're going to kick a field goal. We're going to go to the 40-yard line, we're going to kick a field goal. And just start setting him up, just like kick a field goal. Okay, we're on the four. It's fourth and four from the four-yard line, fourth and goal. We're going to kick a field goal. Just just kick field goals. Nobody, Unless you're the Baltimore Ravens, you don't give a crap about winning this game. By the way, did you see the Ravens game? Speaking of Justin Tucker. No, I didn't see. Why do you have your game? kicker out there kicking a 60-yard field goal in game one of the preseason? Because it's fun. Okay. I mean, the, their offense was garbage. I don't know if you, you should go back and watch it. They did nothing. The Eagles just shut that team down. And then, like, a busted play netted them 60 yards. Then a pass interference put them down like the four. Then they threw a five-yard out for a touchdown, and that's their 10 points they had for their starting offense. A 60-yard field goal in a drive that was completely penalties. Well, that's, that's what they do, though. They kick 60-yard field goals. 
Well, yeah, that's why you want Cade York. That's, that's Justin Tucker. Well, you want okay. somebody to be able to kick 60 yard field goals, which, you know, somebody arguing with you says he has a leg that can kick him. He does have a leg that can kick him, but can he kick him now, through how the How many upright? can he kick? I don't know. Kick him through the uprights? Put him yeah. through the uprights. You know, that's the difference between Justin Tucker and Cade York is Tucker can put it through the uprights. All right, let's yeah. go to our commercial break here, unless you okay, got more on Cade that. York. All right, we're going to go to our commercial break. On the other side of the break, we're going to talk Browns offense and what's up with the Browns offense. All right, hang on. And we're back. Thanks for hanging on. We're coming back here after talking about some Cade York, and I'm, I've kind of nicknamed him Cade Yikes. Uh, that, that's my name for him now, Cade Yikes. We yeah. need to get Cade Yikes out there just uh, kicking field goals in game situations as much as you possibly can. Speaking of which, the Browns offense. What are you thinking of these guys, Elliot? What have you seen so far? Well, I'll tell you, I, I have done some numbers. Uh, you know, I don't have the football eyes that you do, but I do have some math skills. Hold on, let me, say, thing- this. Let me say this. On the What the Elf Was That podcast, I get spend 15 minutes talking about the Browns offense and what I've seen. So if you're interested, get the long version there. You'll get the short version here. All right. Go ahead, Elliot. What I see is, you know, there's a lot of talk about, you know, and in fact, this is around the NFL about, oh, this year we're going to open things up and we're going to throw the ball downfield and our quarterback is going to pass the other team silly. Now, it's, that is especially true with Deshaun Watson, who has the reputation of being a Texas gunslinger. Um, But what the numbers say is that the Browns are throwing the tight ends more than ever before. Uh, The ratio of uh, passes that go to wide receivers compared to tight ends, and this is targets, not completions, but the the targets are 1.5 passes uh, to wide receivers compared to uh, tight ends. That's in preseason of 2023. It's very preliminary, and I know that, and it might change later on. We get preliminary. Did you break this down by ranking, like first team, second team, third team? No, I didn't. I didn't go that deep, and I think you know it might change. I, I have some observations about that also. Okay. Um, however, uh, for the regular season last year, uh, the ratio uh, was 2.15. So the Browns threw a lot to wide receivers last season and not very many uh, to the tight ends. So how about that? Browns did not throw to tight ends last season. They are throwing uh, to tight ends. Let me give you some numbers. They threw to, um, you know, the guy that's getting the most, that got the most targets so far was Anthony Watkins. It wasn't even supposed to make the team. He's been targeted 10 times, wide receiver. The next most targeted guy is tight end Zaire Mitchell-Payton, who's been targeted nine times. Then Thomas Greeny, who's not supposed to make the team, has been targeted eight times. That's because they're playing like the entire second half. Yeah, okay. Nevertheless, these guys have been targeted a lot. So they're using uh, tight ends uh, a lot uh, in the second half. And, and, And by the way, you know, we, we think that the uh, team still runs the same type of offense, simplified version, that they intend to run during the regular season. Uh, Miller Forrestal, 
has been targeted four times, Jordan Akins once, David Njoku once. Uh, in all, they've been targeted 23 times for the tight ends. Uh, Cedric Tillman in wide receiver has been targeted nine times. Mike Harley Jr., seven times. He's gotten a lot of work. David Bell, six. Elijah Moore, once, and then he got hurt. Uh, Dalen Baldwin, one. Jalen Wayne, one. So uh, tight ends have gotten a lot of work. That is uh, something that I did not expect to see. I thought that they would throw a lot of passes to wide receivers this preseason. Joel, your comment. I think we got to contextualize these numbers. I'm all for numbers, but I think these got to be contextualized. Okay. So first of all, these guys are getting a lot of targets because they're they're playing as opposed to not playing. Second, your tight ends are normally your your outlet routes. So if you got a quarterback who doesn't really quite understand his reads or isn't know what he's looking at, he's going to know where the tight end's at because that's where the outlet route is. So I can see the disproportionate numbers to the tight ends for those reasons. Okay. Now I'm not I'm not saying that that means this is going to stop. I'm just saying the Browns have never said we're not going to target tight ends. I think they've just I think what people are saying is we're going to throw the ball over the yard and you're still kind of throwing the ball. But to the tight end to the wide receiver, I'm not sure there's a difference in that. Okay. You know, I'll say uh also, one thing that I've kind of noticed, it's a hard to tell this because there's been a lot of penalties in the preseason. As usual. Um, but typical. I, well, yeah, I thought that, uh, I, I thought that we might be seeing that the Browns are uh, looking at Kellen Mond as not the guy that's going to run their total offense, but he in particular is running sort of the um, three yards in a cloud of dust offense where uh, he's not expected to throw the ball a lot, but just get short yardage and mm-hmm. he'll hand the ball off to Nick Chubb a lot and uh, not not open it up. And I thought that the, the team operates differently <clears throat> under the assumption uh, that uh, that he's only going to be there in an emergency situation. He's not being groomed to ever be the number one quarterback of the Cleveland Browns. Um, but on the other hand, I think that uh, the kid from uh, UCLA is being uh, taught to become really uh, Deshaun Watson's understudy. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Um, it does. Dorian Thompson Robinson actually has a experience in a kind of system I think the Browns are going to, which is a lot of options. Um, meaning, like, each play has multiple options to it. And Dorian Thompson Robinson played in an offense like that. It's the same kind of offense that uh, um, <clears throat> Sean Watson played with when he was in Texas. So I do think that there's some continuity like he has a head start on Kellen Mond. Yeah, I think I that. think in other words that Thompson Robinson is throwing the ball downfield uh to an extent that um Mond is either being coached not to do or he's electing uh to not throw the ball downfield as often. I think right. he's he's kind of the emergency quarterback just throw short passes and hand the ball off a lot. That's that's what I see or that's 
the sense I get, but I admit I am not the well, Mond is still rate higher than Dorian Thompson Robinson on the depth chart. Most of those depth charts are put out by the PR crew and not the head coaches or the e coaches at all. Yeah, anyway. no, I understand that, but it's not there, they don't have the same function. I think if if it was the regular oh, season, they needed somebody to win the game, they put in uh, Kellen Robinson or Kellen Robinson. They put in Kellen Mond, um, you know, because he's a veteran, mm-hmm. um, but they don't see him as a long-term solution. He's right. a short-term fix. Just go in there. Don't screw it up. Uh, well, I, I hate the term game manager, but yeah, just, just don't wreck anything. And uh, don't Dorian, wreck it, Ralph. Yeah, yeah. Dorian Thompson Robinson. They'll they're looking at him as maybe three years from now, uh, he might really be uh, able to be the first string quarterback somehow you know, under some set of circumstances. That's I don't I know. I, I think I think you give him one year and he's the backup. Kellen Mond, you can cut him and put him on the practice Yeah, he could also be the backup, but he's going to have the Mm -hmm. full playbook. I don't think they intend to give Mond the full playbook. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, and I I think you could carry Dorian Thompson-Robinson and just have Josh Dobbs be the backup and Dorian Mm Thompson-Robinson be the third. I mean, Kellen Mond, for whatever reason, does not have the full playbook, and I agree with you. They run it differently. Dorian Thompson-Robinson, either it's him and he's willing to throw the ball downfield, he's willing to look at different options, and Mond is more like, hey, I've been burnt, so I'm just going to check down Charlie the situation. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But the yeah, offense does run, does run better through Dorian Thompson-Robinson. Sometimes you do need the fourth-string quarterback, and if you don't believe me, ask Kyle Shanahan, the coach of the San Francisco 49ers. It's not foolishness. Sometimes Are you talking you about Brock Purdy? guy. Well, no. I mean, the guy that they didn't have when Brock Purdy showed up injured in the Super oh, Bowl. Oh, yeah. Wasn't the Super Bowl's the AFC Championship game, wasn't it? Um, well, was it the AFC Championship game? Yeah, I think it was the AFC Championship game when uh, um, Mon, uh, not come on, Brock Purdy yeah, got like hurt the and they had, and then and they didn't have a backup. Yeah, right, right, and he's right. just out there with a messed up arm. Yeah. Like, how do you not have the Super Bowl? I mean, I mean, even even in the COVID era, the Broncos could pull off a guy from the grocery store and make him play quarterback. Yeah, well, guys from the grocery store are good. That's like Kurt Warner was really great. Okay, let's move on. Um, I wanted to also talk about what is a great or wide receiver for a team that plays cold weather football and intends to make the playoffs and play in January and February. Um, have we forgotten something in Cleveland? And this goes back to irrational optimism, perhaps. Well, I promise you, Cade York hasn't forgotten about the weather. Well, yeah, Cade, Cade, Cade is um, not going to play wide receiver on this team, at least I hope not. Maybe once in his career he might catch a pass. But um, what do we look for in a wide receiver on a natural turf, cold-weather football team? I mean, look, if you, are you asking me? Yeah. I think you just play football. I mean, I think play football, you play football, you play football. You need a guy with hands that can catch the football. You need that guy in cold weather, warm weather, no weather. You need a guy that can catch the football. You need you need a guy who's fast. You need a guy who's big. You need a guy who's a great route runner. You got to have the whole spectrum of wide receivers on your roster. 
no matter what whether you're playing with or you're playing in the dome. I mean, to me, that's just what it is. This is your bag, Elliot. Yeah, okay. Well, yeah, I'm going to disagree with you a little bit here. See, I think in, you know, your cold-weather guy tends to be the bigger guy, uh, not really the track star. Uh, not that you can't win with a small guy that runs really fast, but those guys tend to excel more on synthetic turf in a dome. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. you get these track track stars that can change direction really fast. Um, they have an advantage in um, synthetic turf in a dome situation with the ideal weather conditions. What we want are guys that can play in uh, bad weather, very cold conditions, uh, natural turf, and they these tend to be the physical wide receivers. That are, you know, they don't have to be giants, but we want them to be, be a little bit hefty, a little bit uh, more rugged, perhaps. Um, and, uh, you know, smaller guys. I, I think you can play. have those guys, but I don't think you can have a roster full of those guys because you're going to play games in domes. I mean, they're going to Indianapolis sure. this year. Sure. Uh, okay. So you're, you're going to play in domes. All right. And the Super Bowl every year is played in some place where there's good weather. All right, let me play just, the Super Bowl in the North. Some, let me just throw some stats at you. Some, All right, cool. Okay, who are some great receivers that have really played well for Cleveland? Dave Logan, 6'5", 219. Reggie Rucker, 6'2", 195. Braylon Edwards, 6'3", 214. Josh Gordon, when he wasn't smoking, he was... No, no. Josh Gordon, when he three, was two, high. Three, um, okay, Gary Collins, 6'4", 215. That's going back. Paul Warfield wasn't that big. Uh, that was a different era. Uh, six foot even, 188. Now, some small guys. Uh, Webster Slaughter was under uh, under 200 pounds. Brian Brennan was 5'9", 178. So there are definitely exceptions to that rule. Who do we got on our team? Our best guy is Amari Cooper. He's 6'1", 221. He's that physical guy that can you know go for a jump ball and uh, come down with it, and his fingers are stronger than the defensive back fingers, and you can fight for it in, uh, you know, the possession receiver type guy. Uh, who do I like? Cedric Tillman, 6'3", 215. That's a cold-weather receiver if I ever saw one. Donovan Peoples-Jones, 6'2", 204. Take it away from the other guy. David Bell, 6'1", 212. Not bad. Who's um, a little bit... Let's say uh, counter to that that model. Set it uh, up, baby. Set it up. Well, mm, Anthony Schwartz is, there it is. even one eighty five, but he's really really fast. So kind of like Paul Warfield, and uh, yeah, he's about like Paul Warfield. So you know maybe he can be Paul Warfield. Um, but his primary attribute is that he's really, really fast. It's not like he's got the demonstrated hands and the route running capability. His primary attribute is that he's fast. <clears throat> and then Elijah Moore, uh, you know, I wrote in print that he's been the most um, hyped wide receiver that the Browns have acquired since Andre Risen. And uh, he's five foot ten, one eighty one. And um, okay, uh, you can play at one hundred eighty one pounds, 
Brian Brenner was smaller than Elijah Moore. He had a great career for the Browns. But Brian Brennan was a hands guy. He wasn't really that fast. He could, you know, had good moves and he had glue fingers. Uh, Elijah Moore, uh, we certainly know that he can play football. He can catch the ball. Is um, very, very fast. Um, but I think, we, you know, again, we've let the hype get too massive. And the expectations for Elijah Moore that he has to be a star uh, immediately for Cleveland. And before we go on Elijah Moore, let's go on something else. Yeah. Are you a believer that, like, your region has to determine or your your weather patterns determine the offense that you should run? Is that is that something you subscribe to? I'd say it's a factor. It's it's not decisive. Well, you know, no single factor is decisive. You know, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, when you put your team together, you at least think about it. You know, it's like evaluating a quarterback. There's probably thirty different factors, at least maybe a hundred factors that go into it, mm-hmm. and uh, some of it depends upon um, on uh, you know what what style of play your team is going to have and yeah whether or not you're playing in a dome or or not uh deshaun watson is one of the best dome quarterbacks in the nfl and he's very good on artificial turf now can he play on natural turf yes but he's one of the best artificial surface quarterbacks in the nfl mm-hmm. i mean this this kind of discussion reminds me of like college football and how offenses really changed in college football because in the sec you had a lot of teams go to these spread speed offenses with really fast players but then you'd have these big 10 teams back in the day doing what you know big 10 but wisconsin still does by the way find the biggest dude you can get and just play smash mouth football because that's what the big 10 does now you've noticed maybe maybe not that ohio state has gone to this speed route kind of offense they go out they spread it out they get the best fastest wide receivers they can and they run it all over the or they throw the ball over the yard it's not that much difference in columbus than it is in cleveland it can happen in cleveland oh sure it can happen well you know here's an example of when it did happen is the washington redskins had their smurf based offense they had three small uh but very fast wide receivers and they made it work and I see where the Smurfs at the same time as John Riggins, where they had the big fallback and they had three tiny Smurfs at the same time. I have no idea. But, uh, well, yeah, no, I, I don't, I don't believe that it's decisive. I think there's every possibility that Elijah Moore can make it. I'm just arguing for tempering our expectations. And, uh, I think that we've, uh, put a lot of expectation on Elijah Moore's shoulders and I think we ought to just, you know, um, let him play football. A little bit. Let him play football. Let him play let's football. Let him play football and see what happens. I th- I Elliot, think- I'm get- Elliot, I want to give you the last word of the night, man. We're up on yeah. the time. You you get the last word. Whatever you want to say, it's all. Yeah, you. I want to say that I think the Browns have uh, probably six or seven wide receivers that are going to make the team. There's going to be a rotation. Let's let all of them play and see which ones emerge rather than trying to make the call right now. How about yep, that? But, you know, fans like to speculate. And if they didn't speculate, would we have a job? 
Yes, we I would. don't know. Probably would. All right. Thanks, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Cleveland Browniacs. Please like and follow us on Spotify and give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Go Browns! Yes. <laughs>